Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I have part four of a message that was taught by Pastor Eric Dalma of Gospel of Grace Fellowship. In this episode, he is going to be discussing life in future Babylon. Here's Pastor Eric. Now let's talk about what life is like during the seven years when Babylon reigns. And in short, it's not good. It's not good at all, as we're going to find out. Why? Well, because Babylon is going to be the religious headquarters of the world. I'll focus on that in our third session. There's going to be an eclectic blend of heresy that becomes this one-world new religion. I think it perhaps will be a blend of this Marxist political religious dogma, but you'll also have a New Age pantheism, the idea that we are God, as part of this new world religion. And this new world religion will not tolerate those who differ. They will be zealous for their false god. Babylon is also going to be the headquarters of this new economic system. How many in here know, I just found this out recently, that the world itself, the entire world, not the U.S., we're in bad shape too, but the world is in debt 277 trillion dollars. Yikes. That's a lot of change. Now, what does that mean? Well, that, what that means is at some point, all of the spending is going to come due and the world is going to have to try to reconcile the debt that we're in. And so the European Union in May, they were giving stimulus checks out to try to revive their economy of 750 billion dollars. We've seen the United States do the same thing with trillions of dollars. But at the end, all of the spending and this desire to redistribute wealth, it's not going to work. How many heard of that slogan, Build Back Better? Build Back Better leads to what? A one-world order. It's ultimately going to lead to Babylon. Now, again, I'm not a prophet. I don't know if that's going to take a year, five years, but we know at some point in human history... Babylon will exist again. So whether that comes five years, 50 years, 100 years, I don't know. But one day, they're going to get it again. We also know that Babylon is going to be the political headquarters of the world with Antichrist at its head. How do we know that? Because in Revelation 18.24, the text says this, that in her, that's Babylon with the, the harlot motif, again, image, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and of saints and all who have been slain on the earth. Dear ones, Babylon must be a governmental entity. Why? Because they have the power of the sword. They have the power of the sword to murder people. The worst organization in the history for murder has not been religion, ultimately. It's been government. Mao murdered at least 70 million. Stalin murdered millions. Hitler, we know, murdered at least six million Jews. Pol Pot murdered millions. When the Marxist and the One World Order people come, the irony is these are the people who have wanted you for the last 20, 30 years to be tolerant. And what they really mean by tolerant is not that you're loving and accepting of other people, but what they really wanted you to do is they wanted you to agree that their wicked doctrines were good. They wanted Isaiah 5.20. They wanted to call evil good and good evil. But these tolerant ones someday are going to be the greatest mass murders in the history of the world. 
they'll make Pol Pot and Mao blush with the blood, sadly, that's on their hands. Now, further, what is life going to be like? Well, let's look at Babylon that controls all commerce. I'm going to show you a passage here from Revelation 13. And here you have Antichrist. Remember, he's intricately connected to Babylon. He's going to control commerce. Revelation 13, 16 through 17, it says, And he causes, that's the Antichrist, the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Dear ones, in the first century, something like this happened. Now, by the way, this is for the future. But as John was writing this, something like this was happening. It wasn't quite to this level. But in the first century, if you were a Christian living in Asia Minor, whether it was Nero, the emperor of Rome, or emperors that came before and after, many times they would force Christians and all people to get like an affidavit, like a notarized signature that at least once a year you would confess the lordship of the emperor of Rome. And so you would be, think about today, you'd go in and get a notary, and you would say, yes, I confess the lordship of the emperor. That's what people had to do. Now, what if they didn't do that? They wouldn't get the signature done on this papyri. Well, then they would be excluded from the workers' guild that they belong to, and they don't work and they don't eat. That's what the emperor did a lot of times in Asia Minor. Dear ones, something like that is going to happen in the future, but on a much grander scale. And we're going to be mightily prepared for that. Why? Because there's a push to get rid of all of the currencies of the world and to go to a one virtual currency. You all have heard of Bitcoin. Um, my dad was telling me the other day there was a fellow who had millions of dollars in Bitcoin, but he couldn't remember his password. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> but the point is, we're going to go to a virtual currency where the Numbers will just be in a computer system, and if you don't have the mark of the beast, you won't be able to trade. You won't be able to buy. It'll be like the Christians went through in the first century. Now, combine that with the fact that the Marxist elites want to do what? They want to redistribute wealth. That's why they want the Great Reset. That's why they want to have this one global order where they can forgive all the debts and take from the haves, give to the have-nots, and create their utopia. That's what it's going to lead to. Let me read to you from the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum just released this. It said, there is an urgent need for global stakeholders, that's what we all are now, whether you like it or not, you're a global stakeholder, to cooperate in simultaneously managing the direct consequences of the COVID-19 crisis. To improve the state of the world, the World Economic Forum is starting the Great Reset Initiative. Again, I don't know when Babylon will be built, but I have a sneaking suspicion that this Great Reset isn't going to be so hot. It's not going to lead anywhere good. Now, if that's not bad enough, we're also going to see under Babylon the worst warfare that the world has ever seen. Isn't it interesting for many years the one world global elitist and the Marxists have promised that if we would all come together as one, there would be no more war. Just listen to John Lennon, the Beatles song, Imagine. When he says, imagine that there's no country to die for. 
You're going to have world peace, man. That's what he's claiming. But as you find out, when Babylon comes under Antichrist, you're going to have the worst warfare that the world has ever seen. Now, let me tip you off to something in Revelation, very important for your understanding of it. From Revelation, let me go this way for you because it's going left to right for you. Revelation 6 to Revelation 19 encapsulates the last seven years that we're talking about the parousia of Christ in which Babylon will reign. So Revelation 6 is the beginning of the seven years. Revelation 19 is the end where Messiah comes to defeat his enemies. Now, why do I say that? Because at the beginning of Revelation chapter 6, things aren't so good. Antichrist comes on the scene of history and he promises peace, but right away when we get to the second seal, warfare erupts. Warfare like the world has never seen. In fact, the text is very clear in Revelation 6, 3 through 4, that peace is removed from the earth. Now, why is that significant? Well, it tells us there's going to be worldwide warfare. This is why Jesus warned you'll see wars and rumors of wars. Now, a lot of people say, Eric, we've always had that. Not like these wars. These wars are far more terrible than any other. Another very important reason that we understand how significant it is, please, dear ones, take notes on this. When peace is taken, we know that we're inside the day of the Lord. Why? Because in 1 Thessalonians 5.3, Paul says the day of the Lord comes while they're saying peace and safety. Then sudden destruction comes. Well, can you be saying peace and safety after you have no peace and safety? No. The world is declaring that prior to the 70th week, but at the very begin, the beginning within that last seven years, there's no more peace and safety. Why? Because they're in the day of the Lord. And yes, just as God used the countries and nations in the Old Testament as vessels of his wrath, he's going to do it again. Now, so bad is this warfare at the second seal that it leads to famine. People won't eat because food distribution and creation is going to be disrupted and destroyed. Now, it's so bad by the time you get to the fourth seal, you lose a fourth of the earth's population due to sword, famine, pestilence, wild beasts. Sword is warfare. The uh, famine, of course, comes, as we just saw in the third seal, as a result of this warfare. Pestilence, which is what? It's disease. Why are people going to succumb to disease? Because they don't have proper nutrition. And that leads to wild beasts. Now, you might say, wild beast, what in the world is going on? Dear ones, that very same judgment was listed in Ezekiel 14.21. It came upon Jerusalem when they were in idolatry. What God does in the last seven years is he changes it from Jerusalem upon the nations. So they undergo the wrath of God of sword, famine, pestilence, and wild beasts. And so degraded will society be, and such a shell of its former self will society be, you have a reversal of the created order. In the created order, humans rule over animals. But so broken will society be, you'll have animals ruling over humans. And you'll be sitting, not, not that we'll be here, but you'll have people that'll be sitting dazed as these things go on and you'll see an infant being dragged by a wild animal and an old man being attacked. It won't be something that's out of the ordinary. Otherwise, I don't think John would have mentioned it. That's how broken down society will be when the Great Reset and the One World Order people ultimately get their way. Now, we ask ourselves, why so much warfare? Do you know why there will be so much warfare? The irony is because the One World Order people will get themselves a leader who's a warmonger. That's the irony. The people who never want war, remember all the peace symbols? 
The peace symbols were always when you were fighting the Marxist who wanted to murder millions. Okay, you wanted to get rid of the Adolf Hitler or the Pol Pot, then the peace symbols come out. Don't fight evil. Well, that's what government should be fighting. But the irony is the people who want peace, peace, when Jeremiah said there was no peace, they're going to get the greatest warmonger of all time, the Antichrist. How do we know that? Daniel 11.38, it speaks of the Antichrist. It says, but instead, he's not going to worship the God of his fathers, but instead he will what? He will honor a God of fortresses, a God whom his fathers did not know. He will honor him with gold, silver, costly stones, and treasures. Brothers and sisters, last week I mentioned the reason why God ordains multiple governments with multiple boundaries is in any time in history when one government became too powerful, there were other governments to pound it back. That's what we did with Adolf Hitler and Tojo and the emperor of Japan. They became too, po- too powerful and too threatening and other pagan nations pounded them down. But when you get your one world order, who's going to pound the Antichrist back into submission when he's the only game in town? No one. That's why it's so dangerous to want this one world order. People aren't going to get peace. They're going to get great war. Now, it gets even worse than that. Do you know that in this last seven years, there's going to be tangible contact again with the demons? Why? Because that's what they wanted at the Tower of Babel. At the Tower of Babel, why did they build their ziggurat? Because the people wanted to contact the gods. They wanted to contact the demons. And God thwarted it. The demons that are locked away in the abyss are the demons that tried to go after women and did in Genesis 6. They were locked away so there was no tangible contact. But they're going to be let out again, so says John in Revelation. Notice what he describes, Revelation 9, 10 through 11. Describing the demons, he says they have tails like scorpions and stings. And in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. Stop there. These people are going to be hurt for five months by these demonic beings, and they'll wish for death, but death won't come. Now, how do we know they're demons? Notice in verse 11. It says they have as king over them the angel of the abyss. Now, does everyone see the term abyss? The term in Greek there, obusos, is used. It's the very same term that's used in Luke 8.31, where remember Jesus heals the demoniac man? He's filled with demons. In fact, so many that the demons say, we are legion. And the demons cry out to Jesus, don't put us and throw us into the uh, abusos, the abyss. They don't want to go there. That's the residing place of where God locked away a portion of the demons so they could no longer have tangible contact with humanity during the church age. But what God is going to do is because people want it so bad, because of their idolatry, he's going to give it to them. And he's going to release them out of the abyss. Who's in charge of the abyss? Well, God ultimately is, but he uses an angel. Notice the angel, its name of it says in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek, He has the name Apollyon. Apollyon comes from the verb apolumi, which means to destroy. He's the destroyer. That's who he is. Again, dear ones, God is going to give people their desire. Think about yoga. How many people, I mean, yoga is everywhere now. Yoga, I would say, is the new Lord's Supper, sadly. Notice no one ever talks about the Lord's Supper, but they talk a lot about yoga in our culture. What is yoga about? Yoga is about contacting the demons. And at some point, God is going to say to the world, you want contact with the demons just like they did at the Tower of Babel? You get it. 
In fact, so bad will it be that in Revelation 9, 15 through 16, a third of mankind is going to be destroyed by a demonic-led army. A third of humanity will be killed. Now add that to a quarter that's already died, and you have over a half of the earth's population that will die in this last seven years up until this point. This is horrific. And all of this is God's wrath, whether it's the nations or the demons. All of God's wrath is being poured out on the world as he's showing his disfavor with Babylon and humanity and rebellion against him. What is life like during this time where you're going to have cosmic disturbances? These cosmic disturbances show that God is, in fact, angry and wrathful towards this. Notice the sun, moon, and stars are affected five times. The sun, moon, and stars. Only God can do that. They're going to be affected at the sixth seal, the fourth trumpet, the fifth trumpet, the sixth bowl, and then after the 70th week, the last seven years, according to Jesus in Matthew 24, 29. The sun, moon, and stars are going to be affected when Babylon comes to power. Second, we're going to have five earthquakes, and these earthquakes are so bad throughout the seven years that nations will be moved, cities will fall. We're going to have topographical changes to mountain ranges. It's going to be unparalleled earthquakes. Beyond that, we're going to also have hail and fire. Do you remember that God called fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah? He's going to do it again. Remember, he called fire down on the false prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. When Elijah confronted them, he's going to do it again. But this time, the fire that comes burns a third of the earth. And look at this. There's going to be hail. I don't know about you. I get really cranky when hail hits my truck. I love my paint job. I'll be driving in the hail. Just a little tiny specks will be hitting my car, and I'm all panicky. If it gets any bigger, my paint job's done. Well, you know how big the hail's going to be here? A hundred pound hailstones. You're not going to be able to buff that out. This is really bad. There's no buffing out a hundred pound hailstones off your, out of your car's paint job. Now, the remainder of these judgments that I'm going to show you, these cosmic disturbances, are the same type that God poured upon Egypt at the first exodus. Listen to these. The water is going to be turned to blood, just like he did in Egypt at the first exodus three times. During the seven years, you're going to have people with malignant sores, just like he did in Egypt at the first exodus. You're going to have darkness over whole regions, just like he did at the first exodus. Why? Because God is trying to show us this is going to be the last exodus. Just as Egypt mistreated the people of God, Babylon's going to do the same. But God is going to deliver his people with a mighty hand. He's going to deliver us, dear ones. Think about the first Joshua in history. Remember the book of Joshua? You know what his name is? It's Yeshua. It's Jesus' name. And what was Joshua's mission? To take the people into the promised land. But Jesus, the greater one, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of all, the creator of all things, he's going to bring us into the ultimate promised land. I want you to think about this. There's another great parallel. What happened to people during the first exodus that didn't apply the blood of the lamb to the doorpost of their home? They died without the lamb. They died without the blood of the lamb, and so it will be that anyone who hasn't applied the blood of the lamb by faith to the doorpost of their heart, as it were, they're not going to be passed over either. They're going to fall under the wrath of God. Dear ones, the greater exodus is going to occur. Life is not going to get better. In fact, so bad will things be in this last seven years 
Jesus says this as a warning, Matthew 24, 21 through 22. He's describing the same time period. He says, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Let me stop there for a moment. Notice that section in red. Do you know what Jesus is saying? If I could just boil it down, this is the worst. And as I teach eschatology, I often tell people, you can't have the worstest, right? You only get one worst time period. It's the worst. It's the worst ever. Now, this proves that these things didn't happen in church history. How many here remember of a demonic army killing a third of humanity? You think a historian may have mentioned that. Or a bunch of demons being let out of the abyss, infecting people for five months. Anyone hear that in church history? No. So what does that mean? It must be in the future. And that's the worst time period ever is in the future. It's not in the past. It's in the future. The desire for a one-world order and to rebuild Babylon is going to lead to the worst time period ever. How bad is it? Notice verse 22 of Matthew 24. Jesus says, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. What Jesus is saying is if those days were longer than the seven years that were allotted, nobody would ever survive. So think about it. The geniuses that want the Great Reset, the One World Order, and to rebuild Babylon, they're not going to create some utopia on earth. They're going to create a system on earth that's so bad that unless those days be cut short, no one would ever survive. The dream to rebuild Babylon and to have a global one-world order leads nowhere good. Now, we often get critiqued as Christians. People will say, well, you know, you're so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. But the truth of the matter is those who want to build Babylon in the one-world order, they're so earthly-minded that they're no heavenly good. And God is going to throw them down. Now, I don't want to leave you with this warning. I want to leave you with a great promise that Jesus gives so that no person will ever have to go through this time period. You know, believers are called to faith in Christ, and through faith in Christ, we are called to have the forgiveness of sins and the salvation from God's wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5.9, we've not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to see this great promise in Revelation 3.10 as Jesus gave it to the church at Philadelphia. He said to them, Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, I want you to notice this play on words. Because they kept his word, meaning they believed and obeyed, Jesus was going to keep them from what? The hour of testing. He's going to preserve them on the outside of it. That's what the term here, keep, tereo, means to be preserved on the outside in conjunction with the preposition from, meaning you will never enter into that time of testing. You will be exempt. Now, some will say, well, wait a minute, this great promise, this is only for the believers that were at this particular church in Philadelphia. That's not true. Because John says in Revelation 3.13, he was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's for everyone. Everyone who will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Others say, well, wait a minute, Eric, this isn't, this global worldwide judgment that God has in the future day of the Lord. It's a local judgment that only the church at Philadelphia went through. It's not true. Notice, this is a judgment that's going to come upon the whole world. 
This is the day of the Lord. That's what he's promising. You will be exempt from the wrath that comes in this last seven years. Now, others say, well, wait a minute, Eric, Christians certainly are called to go through tribulations and trials. Yes, during the church age, but not the seven years. How do we know that? The purpose of this judgment, notice in red, is to test those who dwell on the earth. That phrase in red, those who dwell on the earth, occurs 11 times in the book of Revelation. Every time, it's for unbelievers. If you ever see that phrase, those who dwell on the earth in Revelation, say, oh, unbelievers. That's what it's for. The design of the day of the Lord is not to test believers. That was the church age. The last seven years is to test those who dwell upon the earth, and they will be found wanting, and they will fall under God's wrath. But for those of you who will repent and come to faith in Jesus Christ, the great promise for you is that you won't have to live under Babylon. You're going to get a get-out-of-jail-free card. You're going to be with the Lord in heaven as he pours his wrath out. So let me leave you with a couple of concluding remarks. The desire to build a one-world global order is not a morally neutral idea. God is opposed to it because he has ordained multiple governments with multiple borders to restrain evil. Number two, the coming world order isn't going to bring peace, but the worst destruction and wrath that the world has ever seen. But the great news, number three, is you can escape through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ, who existed as God and with God from all eternity, he humbled himself and became a man, and he lived the perfect life that none of us could. Every one of us has sinned against God in thought, word, and deed. Jesus never did. He was truly a man so he could represent us, attempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. This Jesus is also truly God, and when he went to a cross, because he was truly man, he could represent us, but because he was truly God, he could pay for us. And he died a substitutionary death. His death means that when he died on the cross, God's full measure of wrath was poured on him so that you don't have to pay for it in this time period that we're talking about or later forever in the lake of fire in hell. Jesus paid your debt. The same Jesus was raised from the dead bodily on the third day, and that proves his claims. How do I know Jesus is who he claims to be? He was raised from the dead. Then he ascended into the heavens. He's seated bodily at the right hand of God from where he's coming again bodily to bring a glorious kingdom, but judgment upon his enemies. What must we do? Jesus commands. It's not a helpful hint or a suggestion. He commands every single person to repent and believe the gospel. What does it mean to repent? It means to turn from idolatry. If you're an atheist, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Hindu, if you're a Mormon that has a different Jesus, turn. Turn from that idolatry. Turn from worshiping Babylon and turn to God on his terms. Faith alone, Jesus Christ alone. And if you do that, you will have the forgiveness of sins and the promise of everlasting life. And when God throws down Babylon, you won't be there for that. You will be with him, with all the other elect, giving praises to your God, the God who is powerful, the God who can throw down Babylon.
We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years' worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis, and you've been listening to Pastor Eric Dalma. We'll be back next week with a continuation of this series.